keep rolling on with our World Cup previews with Group E. Halfway through, Javier, we got four more to do. Uh, group E is made up of Brazil, Costa Rica, Switzerland, and Serbia. Not the group of death, but certainly up Pretty in the close. air. Yeah, certainly Pretty up close. in the air uh, as to who will get that second qualifying spot. Yeah. But we're going to start off with group favorites and probably tournament favorites, Brazil. <laughs> it's their 21st. Brazil! Brazil! Golazo! Uh, it's the, their 21st World Cup appearance. Their manager is Adnor Leonardo Bacci, or uh, as he's more commonly known, uh, Tite. They're notable players. They've got plenty, you Neymar. know. <laughs> Neymar looks to be uh, back and, if not fit, at least he- somewhat healthy, ready for this World Cup. I-, I think everyone's thoughts when he got injured uh, against Marseille for PSG earlier this season immediately went to the World Cup. Right. And will he be okay? He's very much their talisman, though it's farly a-, a far more balanced attacking team than it was four years ago. Uh, they've got other attacking threats such as Philippe Coutinho. Yeah, we we know Gabriel we know Jesus. Players. I think I think I think it's more questions about maybe, you know, who's going to start in that midfield and what, you know, what are who's going to start offensively because I think well the no no, the big news that I think they have to find a, a replacement for going into uh the games that actually matter is going to be who's going to replace Danny Alves. And right yeah. now they have two players that look most likely to replace him. That's Danilo, who we know pretty well from his uh, last year at Man City and for Real Madrid and Porto before that. And then from Corinthians, Faguinho. Yes, the very aptly and some might <laughs> even suggest poorly named Faguinho. Uh, I'm sure Twitter and uh, social oh media will not take gosh. advantage of that name at any point during this World Cup. But, you know, it's it's yet to be seen whether he will even lock down that spot. He was the preferred option through a couple of qualifying games uh, when Danny Alves wasn't fit or they, they didn't feel comfortable playing him after... Uh, you sure this is Fabinho, the... right? Yes, I am this sure. This guy's name is Fabinho. His name is Fabinho. He's, he's a 28-year-old right-back from Corinthians. He used to be one of Tite's favorites at Corinthians back in the team that I think won the Club World Cup when he was manager there. So it's very much a manager-player, not dependence, but, you know, a relationship that's been built on from a couple of years ago. Sure. He's not exactly uh, the attacking <laughs> player that Danilo or Danny Alves is from that right wing-back spot, but he's solid defensively, and he'll allow Marcelo, obviously, on the left on the left uh, wing-back spot to get forward a little bit more while he, he stays home more often than not. The questions for me arise, like you said, in midfield— but it, I want to look at it from the bigger picture. Do you think overall Brazil will favor their usual three-man destroyer midfield? Where we during qualifying we usually see them play some combination of Fernandinho, Casemiro, Paulinho, and Renato Augusto. Those are all good all-around midfielders. You know they can do a little bit of everything. But do you think they'll favor that normal that that normal uh, setup that they've they've had for the last two or so years, or do you think they'll be willing to drop Coutinho, Philippe Coutinho, obviously from Barcelona, into the center attacking midfield role with two defensive midfielders like Casemiro and Fernandinho or Paulinho maybe, and introduce like a Douglas Costa or a Willian on that right wing to flank Neymar and obviously Gabriel Jesus. At center forward. Yeah, it's interesting. I I mean, that's how I play with them in FIFA, and that's obviously the... 
would it would seem like that would be the most logical thing to do. It's a fun thing to yeah. do. Yeah, but I don't know. Tite hasn't. He seems to love Renato Augusto. Uh, he loves defensive like solidity. Right. He seems to always kind of think of having the balance first. So, you know, I'm not. I'm not really sure. I think that we'll probably see Paulinho start in some way. He seems to also really like Paulinho. Yeah. I, th- I think Renato Augusto will be on the bench, but. I think maybe one of Casemiro or Fernandinho might find themselves on the bench with Coutinho That would starting. be Fernandinho. Um, <laughs> Casemiro has been pretty... Casemiro and Paulinho, I think, are the two midfielders most likely right. to feature So I think game. it might be like a Casemiro, Paulinho, Coutinho midfield, uh, especially against like Costa Rica and Switzerland, teams that are just going to sit back and try and play on the counterattack. I think against Serbia, maybe we'll see a more defensive midfielder, uh, more defensive midfield, but... Uh, and then up front, you know, I it, it Douglas Costa had a really good season for Juventus this year. He kind of started slow, wasn't doing too well, but his second half of the year, you know, it it almost put him in player of the season contention for them. So, you would know, you prefer I, him or Willian for this Brazil team? Right. I mean, I personally like Douglas a lot, but Willian does play really well with the national team. So, and he's had a fairly decent season, but he did seem to fall out of favor at Chelsea the last, you know four or five weeks, and there was Don't that whole thing. With, yeah, I mean, we, we, we won't talk too much about William, but, you know, I'd like to see... Um, also, it's an interesting uh, Gabriel Jesus or Roberto Firmino who should start up front for them. And it seems like Jesus, Jesus gets Gabriel the nod, Jesus. but, you know, Firmino's had his best season ever. It, you know, he should be getting some game time, right? It's those three players, Neymar, Jesus, and Philippe Coutinho, who, and you know this, you saw them during qualifying, when those three players were on the field at the same time, it didn't really matter what positions yeah, they, they, they started in the, or they took up in the starting lineup or on the team sheet, they would usually end up having good enough chemistry to just tear defenses to shreds. Another area that I'm interested in and hasn't really been settled oh, yet... Goalie. <laughs> no, it actually, that actually is pretty yeah, settled. Ederson Alice, versus no, Allison. Right? Allison is the starter. Yeah, but that that's another one where it's like, wow, you know, Ederson had a phenomenal season. He's not getting a look in... Allison's because be one is of the, the best better, goalies in the he's world. He's the yeah. better shot stopper. He's, people are saying this might be the tournament where people say, "Wow, Allison, like, top three goalie in the world." Me, I was saying that. <laughs> he's if, a very good goalkeeper. If they go out and win, then yeah, he'll he'll be there. But the area that I'm I, I'm concerned not concerned about. I'm interested to see how it pans out. Is the two center backs because they're not going to play with a back three. It's going to be it's going to be two of the three of Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, and Miranda. I know what you're thinking. Tiago Silva automatically. Do you know people, what I'm thinking? No, I'm th- saying you plural to the listeners. Right. In this case, there's other people listening. Well, I here. could surprise you here, Alex. Well, okay, maybe you agree. I don't know. Right. You. I know what you people are thinking. Tiago Silva is one of the best center backs in the world. He's got. He's very experienced. He's captained his country before. He's captained his club team before. I think he misses out on a lot of games here. I think the the starting center back pairing come kickoff is probably going to be Miranda and Marquinhos. We saw that a lot during qualifying. Yeah. To very great effect. And honestly, I think there are still some growing pains or maybe some uh, leftover hurt feelings from... uh, from 2014. Well, not only 2014, because he did miss that seven one like thrashing. He was either suspended or injured for it. But that Champions League, uh, PSG PSG knockout. He missed the first game that PSG won four nil, and Kimpembe started in his place. 
He came back for the game at the Camp News, played next to Marquinhos. They obviously lost that game 6-1 or whatever the final score was. There's, there's a lot of ill will about that and a lot, a lot of people kind of doubting his leadership credentials and, you know, straight up his, his, yeah. his, defen- his defensive S- credentials. Similar to what happened to Karius in the Champions League final. I mean, that's, that's the type of performance that might haunt him for the rest of his career. It seems like he's kind of lost his place at, uh, at PSG and on the Brazil national team. So, you know, we'll see if he can recover his form. I think, you know, having Thiago Silva as your backup is, is phenomenal in center back. And whichever three of those play, you know, they'll have a good back line. But I agree with you. I think Marquinhos and Miranda start and uh, Thiago will, you know, probably play, you know, one of the three group stage games. And, you know, if one of the two get hurt, he'll probably come in over them. But, you know, uh, he'll probably miss most of the games, like you said. We'll talk about Brazil's overall expectations for the World Cup uh, closer to the end. But we're going to jump ahead to Costa Rica now. It's their fifth World Cup appearance. Uh, their manager is Oscar Ramirez, who took over from uh, Paolo Wanchop. You remember Paolo Wanchop as yeah. a player? Yeah. Uh, Paolo Wanchop got fired for getting in a fight with uh, one, uh, one of his staff, I think, after one of their qualification games. So, yeah, that's grounds for firing. But Oscar Ramirez comes into a, a team that just four years ago got to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. They were in a group containing Uruguay, Italy, and England. They beat Uruguay and Italy in their first two games before drawing England. They knocked out Greece in penalties, and they lost to Holland on penalties. So they didn't lose a game at last the last World Cup. Crazy. They came up and they surprised a lot of a lot of people and there's probably gonna be one of those surprises in this World Cup. I don't think it's gonna be them though. Yes. Uh, I think Part of what was so surprising about them was this uh, 5-2-3 or 5-4-1 formation that they were playing. They were very counter-attacking from it. And this, this is before Antonio Conte in the Premier League. This is very much like only really Italians in the Serie A are playing three at the back very often and in a very sort of strict, systematic way. And definitely not many South American slash Central American teams are playing that way. So it completely caught a lot of those teams in the last World Cup off by surprise. We knew about some of their players. Joel Campbell from Arsenal obviously did well in that World Cup. He'll return for this one, but he's not necessarily a starter. Brian Ruiz had played many years at Fulham. He's now at Sporting Lisbon, not really featuring too much for them and has gotten a few years older. Obviously, Kaylor Navas in goal was... That, that was that World Cup was our introduction to Kaylor Navas. It's what got him his big move to Real Madrid. And since then, he's won plenty of Champions Leagues and proved he's one of the best five to ten goalkeepers in the world. They've got some recognizable names at wingback. Christian Gamboa from Celtic. Brian Oviedo, formerly of Everton, who uh, now plays for Sunderland. They have, in from the MLS, a couple of representatives. Uh, Kendall Waston, their center back from the Vancouver Whitecaps. Marcus Urania from LAFC scored uh, in that last World Cup. He scored twice uh, in New York City to lead Costa Rica to that 2-0 win that made things pretty nervy for the USA and uh, obviously had a big hand in knocking them out of the World Cup. He's not really a goal scorer, but he's that lone center forward for them who does all of the other work. Think of the Bobby Firmino role. He's, uh, like I said, he can score a few goals, but... He's doing a lot of the hard work. He's playing in players like Joel Campbell and Brian Ruiz and Christian Bolaños, their, their right winger. 
and helping them trigger those counterattacks. He's going to have to be decision-making-wise on his game (laughs) for Costa Rica to have good, meaningful chances against, honestly, a group that I think is all superior to them. I I think they're most likely to finish last. I hope hope they prove me wrong. You know, I hope that they they come out and they surprise people again. Everybody picked them to finish last in last year's World Cups or the last World Cup, so... To be yeah. fair, that was a, a more bigger a bigger surprise due to the fact that those three teams are far more historic, Uruguay, Italy, and England. Yeah. And Costa Rica hadn't really made that kind of a splash at a World Cup before. They've always had like pretty good players who've played in decent leagues around the world, but they've never been able to put it together and shock big teams like that in three games at the World Cup. But moving on to the two teams, I think it's most likely to be between for this second place in Group E. Switzerland are making their 11th World Cup appearance. They are managed by Vladimir Pekovic, a Bosnian manager. Uh, Notable players we'll throw out there. Granit Xhaka from Arsenal. Their captain? Uh, Is he their captain? Mm -hmm. Oh, good for him. Uh, Jeran Shakiri from Stoke. Uh, Jan Sommer, their goalkeeper from Borussia Mönchengladbach. They also have uh, Roman Berkey from Borussia Dortmund. Kanji. Yeah. Manuela Kanji from Dortmund, uh, Ricardo Rodriguez from had AC had Milan. That, uh, incredible assist earlier this season to uh, Jaden Sancho. Sancho, my yeah. boy, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a few players that people may have forgotten about. Braylon Bolo is someone that I want to highlight. Yeah, in this, that horrible in this Switzerland uh, team. ACL tear, right? Yes, he's something like twenty-two years old. He's been their sort of like bright, shining young prospect for a few years now. Got his move. From Basel, I want to say, yeah, to Schalke two years ago or last year, and probably Schalke finished second in the league this year in Germany. By the way, yes, so, they're very good. And yeah, Abola was basically recovering. Or yeah, playing he wasn't really a factor this fitness. year, so they they could be even better next year with him in the side. But he's someone who many people thought he was a striker. He's a he's a big, strong, pacey. But you know, you look at him and you think, oh, this is your center forward. But you know, he plays a lot out on like the right wing or the left wing and he's got good ability with the ball at his feet, dribbling and cutting in on either foot and and creating from the wing so that he's he's got good diversity to his game. But he's someone that I think with Harris Seferovic from uh, Benfica, there's going to be a lot of responsibility on them and obviously Jordan Shakiri to bag goals. And that's something that I really worry about for the Switzerland team. They obviously have the pieces defensively. They've got some good players. You know, left back is sorted with Rodriguez. Right back is sorted with Licksteiner. Goalkeeper, Jan Sommer is a good option in, in, in goal. There are two center backs. It's kind of up in the air. Akanji might play. Juru, Johan Juru, formerly of Arsenal, is still a factor for them. Is he? Wow. Yeah. And they've had a good defensive record throughout qualifying. My big concern is that they had one of the easier qualifying groups uh, from Europe. They were in a group with Portugal, and they ended up finishing second behind Portugal in the last game. But before that, they won their first nine games of qualifying because those nine games were against Hungary, the Faroe Islands, Latvia, and Andorra. What? Yes. How so is that even a group? It basically turned what into a competition. A it turned into a competition between them and Portugal to see which Who one. the biggest goal difference? Yes. And Portugal ended up winning that battle. And they had to beat Switzerland on the last day of qualifying to get that first spot. But that forced Switzerland into a playoff with Northern Ireland, which they barely scraped through. It, it took like a sketchy penalty 
in Belfast for them to go up 1-0 in the first leg and then the second leg they just sort of they got through nil-nil and managed to claw their way to a World Cup. But they're they're not like the promising team that I think a lot of people expected four years ago. They're they're more of a team of they're they're a good team, don't get me wrong. Like you, you don't expect them to not qualify out of this group. But if they don't get the goals from those three players I mentioned earlier, Mbolo, Seferovic and uh Jordan Shakiri, Serbia are right there to really like take this group from them. I'm personally going to be picking Serbia ahead of them just because I worry about if they couldn't consistently bag goals against the likes of Andorra, the Faroe Islands, Hungary, and Latvia. How are they going to do that? How are they going to pose any sort of threats? Like I don't know. I think I think World Cup qualifying and and the World Cup is a bit different. I think they're gonna, you know, the especially also like you know having a month to prepare with the team, building the chemistry, and then going into a tournament. A month is not that long. It it's it's much longer than they have to prepare for these these qualifiers. You know where they come in, but they're more they're they're usually playing more uh, regularly for their nation, where it's like every two months they're coming back and playing for like a week together. Right. You know, you, you think that's you don't think that's enough for them to get no, like, and, good and work I think together? like I think I think that yeah, they're not going to be scoring you know three or four goals in some of these games, but. Switzerland was never like that. They, you know, they've been perennial, perennial, perennially in the World Cup because they've had a very solid defense. They've always tried to, you know, keep the games close, and you know they're going to win games one nil, two one. I'm just saying, I doubt their ability to do that successfully in this group. I I think it's it, there's going to be I more think... draws and losses than there are going to be wins. Like I wouldn't be surprised sure. if they didn't win a game in this group. It's possible. I mean, this group is is very even outside of Brazil. I think Costa Rica, Switzerland, and Serbia all have a chance of getting out. So, you know, it, it's it's going to be de- determined on the results of you know the games against each other. And and you know, I think Brazil are going to win this group easily outright. And then the other three are just going to be scrapping for that second spot. So speaking of which, Serbia are making their second appearance in their current form. That's not fair. Yeah. They've yeah. made they've made they've made more than two. They've made ten previous appearances yeah. as uh, Yugoslavia and then uh, Serbia and Montenegro. Uh, so, Yugoslavia got yeah. to I think they won the Euros once or twice back in the sixties when Panenka scored the penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name he's from Yugoslavia. He's actually is he? No, I don't know. I might I might be messing up my uh my soccer fake news my, from Alex my maybe. soccer history. I might be messing that up. Um, their manager is Martin Krstajic. He was he replaced Slavoljub Muslin after they qualified initially for the tournament. They just as someone who Ireland, the team I support, were in the same qualifying uh, group as them. It was Ireland, Wales, Serbia, and Austria. Those were the four teams that were mainly trying to fight it out for those two qualifying spots. I'm just God, saying. I wish Peru was in a group like that. Yeah, you didn't need it. You got in anyway. Good right. for you. Yeah, because Brazil, Argentina, Ireland were in Uruguay, first place Chile. with like Ireland were in first place with like four or five games to go in that group, and we just tossed just it all away. It. Right. I mean, Seamus Coleman getting injured and like being yeah, that was big. breaking his leg was probably the main factor behind that. Thanks, Wales. Uh, but you know, back to Serbia. Serbia ended up winning that group. They were pretty impressive and. They've got. They've actually got a surprising amount of uh, talent on that team. You look. You look at some of these players down there. Serge Malenko Savage from Lazio didn't play the entire qualifying. Wow. 
that is the main reason why Slavoljub Muslin, their manager during qualifying, was fired because he refused to bring up a lot of that uh, generation that won the U20 World Cup a couple of years ago. Yeah. And Sergei Milinkovic Savic is obviously the big reason for that. For those of you not familiar with him, he's a center midfielder, uh, box to box type midfielder from Lazio. He's 21, 22 years old. He's 21, a, yeah. He's an absolute unit, as we say, uh, yeah, back, in, back in England. It's, it's pretty crazy how someone's six foot three, you know, he, he reminds you of, of. He's Pogba. Yeah, he's like a Pogba. He's, he's, it's crazy. He's, you know, he's. He works harder than Pogba, to be honest. He runs back defensively. He seems to have a, a knack for tracking back as well. And this guy's going to go for $100 million plus one day. Um, you know, Lazio are really lucky to have him. But, you know, they have a pretty experienced um, and good pivot midfield with uh, Matic and Milahojevic from Manchester United and Crystal Palace. Uh, that whole that, that back line as well, bunch of experience. Left back was Alex Kolarov. Scored the goal that quali- uh, or wrapped them up uh, first place in Dublin against Ireland. It was a cracking goal. I must, he still uh, had a really good season this year with Roma. Yeah, he did when he wasn't getting absolutely pasted. City probably could have used him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the rest of their back line, their two center backs are Mattia Nastasic, for uh, those of you uh, who remember him from his Man City days and his, uh, his uh, Atletico days. He now plays for Schalke. And obviously, Branislav Ivanovic, who usually played as a right-back for Chelsea, he's far more better suited in a center-back role, especially for his age now at 34. Going forward, it's going to be very... They're going to be very heavily reliant on the likes of Alexander Mitrovic uh, from Fulham. He was on loan from Newcastle. We've we've, we've talked positively about him in, in previous pods. He's pretty good. He's an out-and-out goal scorer. That he... he Led them in goals during qualifying with six during a 10-game uh, qualifying run. Not a bad return for uh, for qualifying. They rely for creatively on the likes of Adam Lialic and Philippe Kostic and Dusan Tadic from uh, Southampton, if, you're, if you uh, remember him. Those, those players aren't really goal threats themselves, but as long as Mitrovic is Southampton on fans it, would disagree with you. Tadic's goals kept them up. <laughs> yeah, eventually, but tr- uh, trust me, I yeah, think they right. would agree not, with me that not, his end product is not where it it needs to be or where it should but be. But they seem to have goals, you know, that can pop up from the midfield, from their defenders. Right, but what I'm, around the team. what I'm saying is that when Mitrovic isn't really on his game and he's, he's, he's not being given ample opportunities and decent opportunities... They're they're not scoring two or three goals like from other areas. They the only the only chance they have of really playing well and functioning at a high level offensively is if Mitrovic is being uh, set up and and provided with the opportunities. That puts a lot of pressure on uh, Tadic, Kostic, and Lialic, and only two of those players will play. It's going to be a lot of responsibility for Milinkovic Savic. He'll probably be the spearhead of a that midfield three, like you mentioned, of Matic and Milivojevic. So he'll have the opportunity to roam around that midfield, play attacking football, and uh, and, and and create chances for Mitrovic. It's it's an exciting team to see because Milinkovic only just started playing. I think he just got his, just got his first cap during the last international break. He got his first two caps for Serbia. It's a really interesting player to introduce to the mix going into a World Cup. Right. Uh, I like them to get second in this group. I have Brazil first. Serbia second. I'm going to say Costa Rica third and Switzerland last. 
Okay. That's that's going to be my team that is falls apart. It's not like the, a major, major team, but it's a team with relatively Some high expectations. expectations yeah. That I think they got to the knockout round of the last World Cup and lost to France, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, that's the team that I think is going to have an absolutely just porous World Cup and everyone will be disappointed in them. It's Switzerland. Okay. Uh, How about you? Yeah, I mean, you've... You've definitely got me thinking about it more. I was going to just say, oh yeah, Brazil won, Switzerland too. Think independently, Javier. But don't, uh, don't, don't no, just and I'm still, to I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with, you know, I think Brazil are going to win the group. They're going to win all the games. But uh, I think Switzerland just squeaked by. I think obviously that Switzerland-Serbia game is going to be massive. And I think if, you know, Switzerland can maybe get a draw out of that and then beat uh, Costa Rica, they might be able to squeak out in fourth, or sorry, in second. Um, and then I have Serbia third and Costa Rica last. I think the the ceiling for Brazil is definitely obviously winning this tournament. It always is. And yeah, we've got a few minutes to go. Let's. Uh, yeah, I'm, are, I'm, are they your favorite to win the tournament? Well, they were pre-tournament before the whole Neymar injury. Um, I don't know how good and how fit Neymar is going to be in this tournament. So, depending on that, um, you know I'm. I'm fully expecting them to make the semifinal in any tournament they're in, they're favorites, but I think they, you know, they destroyed in qualifying. I don't think they lost the game. They just bulldozed the qualifying. They were... They, they were, bulldozed the toughest qualifying right. in the world. I think we, we've we agreed on that. Which is why I, ha- you know, I think that they're going to win, but um, again, it's going to be, it's going to be very much on Neymar. So much of these World Cup tournaments... Uh, you you see one or two players that just you know light up the whole tournament and one player especially in a knockout setting like this which is why you know Cristiano Ronaldo when he scores you know fifteen twenty goals in a knockout competition like a Champions League you know his team gets to the final and they win because you know one player in these knockout competitions they can make a big difference you know it's it's not like in the league where yeah you know a quality player can make a difference but if he gets hurt or you know over a period of time. It might take them a while to make a difference, but you know these players, they can catch fire on form, and a player like Messi or like Neymar, even if their team maybe isn't performing, um, they can usually drag their team all the way to the final. Maybe they're not going to win. Almost always the best team Neymar the did tournament. it last World Cup. Right. Almost always the best uh, team wins the tournament, right? Germany won, Spain. The, the best, but individual talent usually can drag a team to the final. I mean, we see that in other sports, too. Um, just so very rarely does the one individual who's been carrying the team actually able to overcome, you know, the, the, the team that they meet in the final. But I think I think with with this Brazil team, Neymar's got much more support than he did right. four years ago. They've got he's got much better spine, a better coach. Um, it seems like you know not as much pressure. Obviously, they're not in their home country, so I yeah I, I think Brazil gonna win this World Cup and. I think that they're really only going to be scared of Germany, which I think hopefully Spain will dispatch for them. Um, I think if they play against France or, or uh, Spain, they'll be able to beat those teams. So, Well, those Germany and Spain are the two teams I want to focus on in terms of their head-to-head matchup with Brazil. Because Brazil, obviously, they dominate possession in most matches they play. Tite, as a manager, he tends to favor defensive solidity and springing out from a counterattack in in certain situations against teams like Germany and Spain who are much who themselves will not live without the ball they will right. not they will not sit back and and defend they will come out and they will pressure you and try to get the ball off you so they can start dictating the tempo themselves 
I think if though if they face either of those two teams head to head, Brazil are going to be the ones who quote unquote have to suffer without the ball, and uh, Tite will be relatively happy to do that. I'm just interested to see how the Brazilian players react to that because, like you mentioned, Neymar, Coutinho, Casemiro, Marcelo, big players all over the pitch, big players from big clubs who are used to playing with the ball. In big games like this, are they going to get frustrated and feel powerless? Like if they're in a semifinal of the World Cup against Germany, and Germany and Mesut Ozil and Tony Cruz are just dictating the tempo to them, is that going to be frustrating to them? Are they going to be forced out of position and make make a mistake that just sees them? I think out specifically of their against zone? Germany, maybe just Spain because too. Honestly, there's going to be a psychological Spain more so. I think I don't think so. Against oh, the Spain. psychological factor. I think the okay. psychological factor is going to be much bigger against Germany. But how many of I these players Spain, were there in 2014? It's still a lot of the same team. I mean, I, I mean Neymar. Yeah, there's Fernandinho, not Thiago Silva, Marcelo, not many else. It's four. The rest of the team is either young or has developed over the last couple of years and wasn't. Sure, in the... I just think that something like that more. I mean, it's always going to be weighing on their on their mind like as if a they nation. play it right as a nation. <laughs> they still it's... witness their own country, right? Exactly, Ooh, exactly. It's still a, it's, there's still a factor in it, but I think if Neymar can stay fit, I don't think they'll have trouble. Um, you know, keeping teams, even a team like Spain or like Germany. Um, they're they're gonna keep players back. You know, if you have someone like Neymar, like Jesus, Coutinho in your front line, nobody's gonna be able to just pressure high on. I mean, these some of these players, like you said, Casemiro, Fernandinho, they play on some of the highest ball possession you know teams in the world, um, and they can keep a ball. They can you know they can they can they can they can pass the ball around better than just as well as Spain, just as well as Germany can, and their midfielders are on par. So. I don't think they'll have as much trouble as you're saying. Um, I don't think they're going to be... I'm just saying... I'm saying the possession might be that like scenario. 55, 45. I, okay, I'm not saying that they but will... But I don't think it's going to be like... Be playing like right. defensively the whole time. I'm saying looking at the two... It could be, at right. the two Stylistically, teams, it could be trouble. That's how I think it might go. And if it does go that way where Brazil are playing a bit more defensively, I'm asking the question, how will they react? Will they make mistakes? Uh in Tite's time, since 2016, when he was first hired, Brazil have won 13 games, drawn three, and only lost once to Argentina in a friendly. So they're in pretty good hands. I think Tite is probably one of the best uh, managers they could have, they've had in a very long time. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm hopeful for Brazil this tournament. They're, they're all, they've always been my second team. And, you know, when Peru gets knocked out, I'll be rooting for them, so... Once again, uh, I had Brazil 1, Serbia 2, Costa Rica 3, and Switzerland 4. Javier had Brazil 1, Switzerland 2, Serbia 3, and Costa Rica 4. Gotta root for my grand Jaka. <laughs> There's definitely gonna be a Jaka bomb. A Jaka bomb. We haven't it's had gonna one happen. It's gonna happen. Alright, that's Group E for you. Stay tuned for Group F coming soon in the next couple days. And until next time... Oh yeah.